With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 12th of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. First things first, happy birthday to my sister, who won't hear this, but it's nice to say. Uh, Moving on. I am hereby calling for the liquidation of Manchester United Football Club. It is time that this club, this shell of a club, be put out of its misery. And there are two reasons for this. Well, there are many reasons for this, but the final two, the straws which have broken the camel's back, are, first things first, United are about to play Liverpool in just over an hour in a pre-season friendly Liverpool have put out largely a second string 11 and United have picked their strongest team uh, for a preseason friendly, which is just a little bit sad. Secondly, and more importantly, they have listed their team numerically rather than by position, which is a war crime, which is something you should be brought to The Hague for and prosecuted. It's an abomination. United's team reads as follows. De Gea, Lindelof at right back, Bruno Fernandes and Martial at centre back, Rashford at left back, Fred and Varane, Edin in midfield, uh, Delot on the right wing, Shaw as a 10, Sancho left wing and Scott McTominay up front. That's how it reads. That's how it reads. I hate teams who do this. I was absolutely thrilled when Watford got relegated because they deserve to be relegated for doing this all of last season. A shambles. An absolute shambles. Anyway, it's pre-season friendly. No one really cares. I was asked a question by uh, Nick, 
NKCO1K on Twitter. Um, and I'm going to do this today. Make an 11 for the best peak in each position of all time, excluding Messi and Cristiano. Now, that's an interesting one because we can look at certain goalkeepers or certain players and say, well, they're the best ever because, you know, longevity or whatever the case may be that you'd make an argument for somebody. But when we talk about just the peak, just their very best years, like a two, three year run where they were at a different level, but maybe didn't sustain it. So let's, let's look at Maradona, for example. I think Maradona's peak is the greatest footballer we've ever seen. But Messi's case for being the greatest player ever is based on his longevity. I don't look at Messi and think there's a three, four year window where he was as good as Maradona from 85 to 89. He comes close. But with Messi, he is he was able to sustain that incredible level for over a decade. And that's where the case comes that Lionel Messi is the greatest player ever. But we'll get into this. So I would say that the greatest goalkeeper of all time is Gigi Buffon. But the greatest goalkeeping peak of all time is probably Manuel Nauer. And I think there's a five-year run from 2011 through to 2016 where what he put forward each and every year was incredible. And I don't think, I think Buffon was better for longer, but I don't think Buffon's very best years were as good as this five-year span. So I would say Manuel Nauer, you could go from 2012 maybe, but I'd say from 2011 when he joined Bayern to 2016, that's probably the apex of goalkeeping. At right back, Javier Zanetti has always been my favourite right back. I, I just think he established a base level that no one else could match. Like his, his seven out of 10 was most people's nine out of 10. And he was rarely a seven. He was normally an eight or a nine. And that's a level above anything I've ever seen. Now I know people will put Cafu into this, this mix. Personally, I think Cafu is slightly overrated, a great player, no doubt, but not in this conversation for me. Danny Alves absolutely warrants discussion here. He was sensational in that Barcelona team. But the caveat is it was that Barcelona team. He's playing down that right flank. He's got Xavi in front of him and Messi in front of him. So despite the gaudy assist numbers, how many of those assists are simple five-yard passes to Messi that Messi does the rest from? Quite a few. Not to disparage Dani Alves, a great player, but I, again, I don't think he's as good as Javier Zanetti was. I would say with Zanetti, the best run of a right back that I ever saw anyway, 
And Lillian Turam would be another one I put in this, but obviously for club, at club level, he did largely play at centre-back. At Parma, he played in the back three. Then he went to Juventus and he played as a centre-back in a two. Um, he was incredible for France, but his, his international or his club football was largely played in a in a central defensive role. So Zanetti for me would be the one. And I would look at 0304 through to probably 0910. That level that he displayed in that time, I don't think anyone's ever come close to. I Trent now is approaching that level, but no one else from a consistency point of view, because you have to factor in it right back. First and foremost, it is a defensive position. I know the modern fullback and all that waffle, but it is a defensive position. It's in your defensive line. When we look at Cafu and we look at Alves, we often overlook that they were both fairly mediocre defenders. Cafu got away with a lot because he was quick and he was aggressive, but 1v1, he wasn't great. Wasn't a great header of the ball. Didn't sweep his defensive line very well. Wasn't a great back post defender for a large part of his career. Got a lot better late on as the attacking side of his game started to wane. He did improve defensively. Danny Alves was just never a good defender. Zanetti was an outstanding defender and an outstanding playmaker. Javier Zanetti, until Trent came on the scene, was the only primary playmaker from right back that I ever saw. Alves was a secondary playmaker. Zanetti was the playmaker for Inter Milan, to the point that teams used to man-mark him. Like, consider man-marking a right back in the 90s and 2000s, and that's what teams had to do. So Zanetti, for me, goes in. Um, I would say Virgil van Dijk as one of the centre-backs. I would say from 2018 until he hurt his knee, that's the best I've ever seen any centre-back play. And I include Nesta and I include Baresi. We're talking peak here. I don't think anyone's come close. Well, not come close, but I don't think anyone's hit that level. There's been a few that have definitely come close, but and, and the other one will be Nesta. But we'll just on Virgil from the minute he arrived at Liverpool in January 2018, up until he hurt his knee, which was October 2020, so it's about two and a half years of games. He was just imperious. No weakness in his game, none. A flawless defender, a genuinely flawless defender. And a great footballer on top of that. What he was capable of, not many others have ever sniffed. Like, we talk about great central defenders from days gone past, and there has been a lot of great central defenders, but in terms of being able to the defensive side and on the ball, it's a very short list of those who were truly great at both. Like, you look at Ramos, great on the ball, Never a great defender. Jared Piquet, great on the ball. Never a great defender. Good defender, but never a great defender. Hummel's the same. 
Boateng the same. These guys who in recent years were hyped up as you know the best centre-backs in the world, and they just weren't. Vidic was a great defender, never great on the ball. Rio Ferdinand, for me, was very good on the ball, borderline great, but he was just a good defender. He wasn't a great defender. He had his hand held for years. Virgil was on a level completely separate to those guys. And I would put Nesta on that level as well. I think Nesta... The, the Nesta I saw break through at Lazio back in the, the, the days when Channel 4 was showing Syria and you'd have the Gazetta on the Saturday morning, you'd have the Sunday match. And then on a Monday, there was a highlight show here in Ireland. I think it was on TG Cahar, which is an Irish language um, channel. But Alessandro Nesta at that point, the best young defender I ever saw. He was just sensational. I would say his peak years is a five-year run. No, sorry, a six-year run of his last three years at Lazio and his first three years at Milan. I thought he was different class. He had a very good year in 05-06, but it wasn't quite the same level. But I'd say 99-05, to 05, he was just different. He was different class his whole career. He really was, and you could probably extend that peak out. But Nesta, for a peak, unbelievable. I would have him in my all-time 11, regardless but I also think his peak is all-time 11. Um, left back, Maldini's the greatest defender ever, and he's certainly the greatest left back ever. But in terms of peak, I do think there's a real argument to made for Roberto Carlos, whose peak was absolutely unbelievable. And it's hilarious to me that Inter Milan made such a mess of the Roberto Carlos thing. Um, but I would say from 97 to 2001, you could make a real argument that that's the pinnacle any left back has performed at. Now, again, as with Cafu, defensively, he wasn't great. He was incredible going forward, though. Maldini's easily the best left back there's ever been. It, it, and I do mean easily. Like, you can put Carlos and Cole and Dennis Irwin and whoever else in that conversation, but this guy was just... Maldini was just different level. But I do think you could make the case that Carlos's peak might have been slightly higher because Mess uh, Maldini didn't really have a peak. He was just brilliant for 20 years. Um, so I'll go Roberto Carlos just to just to be a little bit different. At holding midfield, it's see, I'm torn here. Do I go? Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna include a sweeper here. So we're gonna play a back five because I do think Mateus Zammer needs to be included here. 
because he is definitely one of the best players I've ever seen when he had his peak. So his peak, like Van Dyke, was rather short-lived uh, because of injuries. I would say with him, you go from 93 to 97. Now you could actually, you could include the 90, yeah, early 93 when he came back to the Bundesliga from Inter after failed six months there. I would say from 93 until 97, he was, he was one of the best players of all time. Um, his career ended really early because of a knee injury. But I would say right up until he suffered that knee injury, he was maybe the best player in the world. He'd won the uh, Ballon d'Or in 96, part of that German team that won the Euros. I think you have to include him. I do. I think you have to include him. Um, into midfield, then. We're going Fernando Redondo. Again, I just don't think anyone has ever touched that peak as a holding midfielder. I think he, he in that Real Madrid team, despite some of the injury issues he had, he was just disgustingly good. I would say from 95 to 99. Now, he was really good in the 99-2000 season as well. And he was probably the fittest he was. He played a career-high games. He did 53 games. But I would say from 95, his second season at Real, to 99, his second last season, so a four-year run, I think that's probably the peak of his powers. Like I said, he stayed fitter the following season um, and played a big role in Real winning a second European Cup with him. But he was just so good. He was so His whole Real run, to be fair, was incredible. But that middle four years... Really, really special. So I'm going to go him. Next to him. I mean, Iniesta seems like the obvious one here. Because when he was at his very best, he might well have been the best player on the planet. I would say... Iniesta from, say, 07 through 2012, that sort of range. I'd say that was, but even then, he did have a bit of a down season in, is it 09-10 or 08 09 09 he won the European Cup. He was great that year. I'll go Iniesta. I'll actually... I'll take a two-year peak for him of 2010-2012 where the game just became almost too easy for him. Spain were winning everything. Barca were winning everything. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go say 09-12. to 12. It must have been 08 09 They struggled a bit. We'll go 08 to 2012 as his very peak, but obviously he was still great for years after that. What year was he Ballon d'Or runner-up?
2012, he's the best player at the Euros. No doubt about that. He's just different class. You can take any run of time for him, if we're being honest. He was just so, so good. Iniesta next to Redondo. As a 10, Ronaldinho. I mean, Zidane is the better footballer, but Ronaldinho's peak at Barcelona was just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous what he did from 03 to 07. What he did at Barcelona was just obscene. Absolutely obscene, especially the 05, 06, 06, 07 seasons. If that guy went to the Bernabeu and got a standing ovation coming off because he just annihilated Real Madrid. But I'll go from 03 when he arrived to 07, that four-year run. So, so special. Again, Zidane was a better player, but I don't think he had a peak like that. Up front then, I mean, R9 is absolutely in I don't know that a footballer has ever played better than he did uh, prior to his knee exploding. If you go from 97, sorry, 96, his first season at Barcelona, then his first season at Inter, and then the, the half of the next season, I genuinely don't know, don't know that a footballer has ever been better. He was just ludicrous. 128 games. And this is back when defenders were great and the rules weren't massively skewed. In that time, he scored 96 goals. That is ridiculous. 47-49 for Barcelona while getting kicked up and down pitches. 34-47 and for Inter at a time where Serie A was levels above anywhere else defensively. And then he was 15 and 28 the following season. Um, 14 and 19 in the league before he got hurt. He was still great at Real, but he basically lost three and a half years of his career through injuries. Right when he should have been establishing himself as the best player in the world. Or arguably the best player of all time. He was the best player in the world. Um, yeah, I'll go with him as one of my front two. I tended to go Marco van Basten as the other one because, again, I just don't know that we've seen anybody do what he was capable of doing. I mean, you look at a four-year run at Ajax where he's... 29 and 32, 29 and 41, 37 in 31, and then 43 and 43. Then he joins Milan. He struggles the first season. Then he's incredible for two straight years, 33 and 47, 25 and in 42. Then he has a down year. Then he has a great, two great years. Then he gets hurt. And that's career over, basically. Another one who like Matthias Zammer, was retired far too early. I mean, Van Basten's career was over when he was 29, basically. Um, 
Milan paid him for two years after that out of respect, but he couldn't play. He had two years left in his contract. They insisted that they pay him out those two years and keep him on the on the books, but he was never going to play again. The other one is Luis Suarez. And I, the argument against him is obviously the behavioural issues, but from January of 2013 until the end of the 16-17 season, I don't know that there was a better player in the world. He goes 30-44. and 44, 31 and 37, the year he nearly carries Liverpool to the title by himself. 25 and 43, but that's the year where he's bitten Cialini and he comes back late because he's suspended. Then he's 59 in 53, 37 in 51. Even the following season, he's 31 and 51, but there was a bit of a drop off in 17, 18. I'm inclined to go with him because of the leagues he's doing it in. Nothing against Van Basten, but there's a two-year window of brilliance in Serie A for Van Basten, then a bad season, then a good season. With Suarez, there's two great years in the Premier League and three great years in the in, in La Liga. He missed a big chunk of one of the seasons because of suspension. He missed chunks of two seasons because of suspension. Um, I think I will go Suarez. I think I will go Suarez. Suarez and, and R9 up front. Ronaldinho behind. Iniesta and Redondo. Carlos left wing back. Zanetti right wing back. Nesta, Zammer, Virgil and Manuel Nair. And I don't think anyone's touching that team. And if we're picking a manager... I mean, the obvious choice here would be, say, a Mourinho, who's run from 02 to 2013. Porto, Chelsea, Inter and Real, up until he wins the title at Real. I'm not sure anyone's matched that. Um, I'm really not sure anyone's matched that. There's also... You know, you could look at Vincente Del Bosch and uh, what he did, which was win multiple European Cups with Real. He had a great run from 01, from say 99, 2000, so 99 to the end of 03. That was an unbelievable run. Champions League. La Liga, Champions League, La Liga in four straight years. That's fairly special. Um, then obviously would go on to manage Spain to the World Cup and the European Championship. But I think I'd go Mourinho. I think that it. the other one would be Saki. I mean, you, you do have to... Let's see, Saki. See, his peak might have been a bit too short. Yeah, his peak was too short. If, if we're being honest, Arrigo Saki's peak as a manager was 87 to probably 93. 94, he got to the World Cup Finals, you could say that. Uh, guys just... Oh, I think guys won. I'm going to check one other person. I'm going to check Fabio Capello. 
Capello will be my all-time favourite manager. And his run with Milan, Real, Roma, Juve and Milan is fairly special. So he wins four out of five Serie A titles and a European Cup between 91 and 96. Then he goes to La Liga, wins the title in his first year. Then he has a drop. See, this is the thing. Then he has a bit of a drop for a couple of years. Goes to Roma, wins a title there. Builds an incredible team, wins a title. Goes to Juve, builds a great team, wins a couple of titles. Goes back to Real Madrid, wins only one European Cup. And there is a couple of bad years in there between when he left Real the first time and probably 99. There's two bad years there. Um that, that middle run, that second run at Milan is where he falls off. It's only one season. Then he takes a year off. Bob Paisley is the other one. So Bob, in a nine-year run at Liverpool, I actually don't think this can be matched. Wins six league titles, three league cups, three European Cups and the UEFA Cup in nine years. That's fairly spectacular. But you know what? I think as a peak, if we're doing just the peak, I think it's Brian Clough. I think it's Brian Clough. If we take 1976, to 1980 as a four-year run. He takes over a mid-table Division II team, gets them promoted, wins the league in his first season and the League Cup, then wins back-to-back European Cups. I think it's him. Paisley's the better manager, had the better career, but as a peak, I think I'm going to go with, with Brian Clough. To go from where they were to then, that's unbelievable. I would say Capello's time at Milan, first time around, that's his peak. Mourinho had the longest peak. That's genuinely 11 years of, of utter brilliance. Genuinely. That Porto team winning the UEFA Cup and then the European Cup goes to Chelsea, dominates the league for two years, would have won it the third year, only he had a bunch of injury problems, gets sacked then going into year four, Goes to Inter, immediately wins a title the following season, wins the treble, goes to Real and takes the title off arguably the greatest club side ever. I think the second greatest club side ever in that Barcelona team. That's a fairly unbelievable run over 11 years. I know he did get sacked in that time, but it was by Abramovich who sacked everybody. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti won the double and Roman sacked him. Conte won the league and then the cup the next year and he got sacked. Um, but I think Clough, as a peak, we're going to go Brian Clough. 1976 to 1980. We're going to go Brian Clough. Right. Um, that is that. 
now we shall take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go through the latest transfers and the latest gossip and see what's what. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, let's get stuck into the latest transfers. Obviously, Flynn Downs got signed by West Ham last week, £12 million from Swansea. They needed depth in midfield. He's a talented player. I've liked him since he was at Ipswich. Ipswich will get a good chunk off that fee as well. So, I do really like that move for West Ham. Snuck him in from under the noses of Crystal Palace, who thought they had a deal in place. They still need one more in midfield, West Ham, but this gives them a really good starting point. You get Rice, you get Suchek, and you've got him. Now you're in a much better position than you've been the last two years. Uh, Luis Sinistera, done deal to Leeds. Again, I really like that one. I think he's a very exciting winger, so should be a lot of fun. Steven Bergvine gone to Ajax. Uh, Clement Langley to Tottenham. I don't like that deal. Don't like that deal for Tottenham at all. Uh, Joe Aribo to Southampton from Rangers for around 10 million, including add-ons. Really good signing. Really, really good signing. Multi-positional midfielder. Could play in a two, could play in a three, could play in one of the advanced roles. I'd like to see him play in a midfield two next to Romeo and have the freedom to go box to box and push Ward-Prowse a bit further forward. Because I don't think James Ward-Prowse really influences games in midfield. But I think if he played in one of those advanced roles where he drops wide on the right, you could open up his crossing in general play. I think that would be hugely beneficial. Uh, Aaron Hickey, I really like the signing for Brentford, though I assume he's going to play right back for them. Uh, Omar Richards to Nottingham Forest is a done deal. Again, that's one I like. I didn't like him going to Bayern, but it's worked out well for everybody. And uh, Forest get themselves a very, very capable left wing back. Check the Kure to Palace. I think that's one of the signings of the summer. I love that deal. Brings them tenacity, ball winning, good progressive passer. I think he can add many more strings to his bow. Learning under Vieira. I think it's a great signing for Crystal Palace. Andreas Pereira to Fulham from Manchester United for 10 million. I'll be really interested to see how he looks playing regularly in the Premier League. Because the one season he did get regular games to United, he did look pretty good. He's a very talented player. And I'll be really interested to see how that goes. Uh, Nico Williams from Liverpool to Nottingham Forest. 17 million is a lot of money for Nico Williams. Who's a good player, but has some flaws in his game. Some quite big flaws. As a wing back, he's a much better fit than he would be as a fullback. He's going to work under a great manager in Steve Cooper. I really like the idea of having Joe Worrell behind him chatting him through games, and that works well. Uh, Pogba finally signed for Juventus. Nobody cares. Uh, so we can move on from there. Um, Wolves defender Nathan Collins is undergoing a medical at Wolves. Sorry, Burnley defender Nathan Collins is undergoing a medical today at Wolves, 20.5 million. I really, 
really like this signing for Wolves. I really like this signing for Wolves. Now, I had hoped he'd stay at Burnley for another year and continue his development under company, and I wanted to see him and Luke McNally play together, but he's an outstanding young centre-back. And him and Max Kilman, that is something Wolves can build from. That gives them now the option to go and play a back four, which is what Bruno Lage would prefer to do based on what he's done previously in his career. It's a big price, but he's still very, very young. Is he 21, 22 maybe? Uh, He is 21. So years and years of development ahead of him before he hits his peak. I really like that. I really, really do. First summer signing for Wolves, one they needed. And... um, I think it's a good deal for all parties. Good deal for Burnley. They get a big chunk of money in. It's a 10 million profit on what they paid last summer, so it works for everybody. Uh, at the same time, Wolves have rejected a bid in excess of 20 million from Everton for Morgan Gibbs-White. Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace also credited with interest in the player by John Percy. I really don't know why Wolves wouldn't just keep him. Maybe they will. I mean, maybe they will just keep him. He is a very, very talented player. Had a great year with Sheffield United last year. So if I was Wolves, I'd definitely be keeping him. Really, really like this signing for Wolves, though, of Nathan Collins. I think that's a great deal. Uh, Let's move on. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, Brentford are signing Thomas Strakosha, the Lazio goalkeeper. He was linked with Chelsea. He was linked with Fulham. He is going to Brentford. I think he'll replace David Rea. I think he's a better goalkeeper than David Rea. Now, Rea stylistically is a better fit for how Brentford want to play, but Strakosha is a better goalkeeper. So that should be really interesting. Uh, Keen Lewis Potter, that one looks like it should get done to Brentford as well. Uh, Brighton have sold Leo Ostergaard on a permanent deal to Napoli. I don't know why Brighton haven't just given him an opportunity. I really don't get that. Like, he's a very, very talented defender. He had some good loans. You could do with another good defender. I don't know why you wouldn't just keep him. But it's a good signing for Napoli. I wonder what that will mean for Koulibaly. It might mean nothing. He might just go there and be a backup for this coming year. But it could also mean that there's a possibility that Koulibaly is on the way out. He's been linked to a move, but a move to Juventus and to Chelsea. Uh, AC Milan are progressing in talks for Charles de Catelier. Leeds obviously strongly linked to him as well. Um, Ajax have completed the signing of Owen Window. Manchester United are now feeling confident on the Lissandro Martinez deal, according to my pal and yours, Fabrizio Romano. Interestingly, when Ten Hag was asked about their approach in the transfer market, he said they were looking for players in midfield and attack. So maybe he is planning to play with Lissandro Martinez as a holding midfielder, which I think makes more sense for United than him playing at centre-back. Bayern Munich are already preparing a new approach with Juventus for Matthias De Ligt. Uh, Full agreement on personal terms have been reached, but 60 million fee is not enough to convince Juventus. Chelsea are currently working. I don't understand Nathan Aki for them. I really don't. He's not 
not well suited to playing centre-back in a back four. If he's coming in to be a backup left-side centre-back and left-back, that's okay. But don't you already have Malang Sar for that role? Or couldn't Levi Colwell just have that role? I, I don't know why he'd spend 40-plus million on Nathan Aki. I really don't. Um, but again, Chelsea could sign Koulibaly, which would be an interesting one. I'd like to see him in the Premier League. Uh, Robert Lewandowski has reported for medical tests with Bayern. He obviously wants to go to Barca, but nothing progressing there. Uh, Frankie de Jong, people are still trying to keep this deal alive. It looks like he's staying put, but we'll wait and see. Uh, Rodri has signed a new deal with Manchester City uh, until June of 2027. He said, Man City offers me the best chance of winning trophies. Fair play. He was outstanding last year. Absolutely phenomenal performance for him last season. Carried that midfield at times. You look at their season, Bernardo Silva was their best midfielder from August to December. Maybe the best midfielder in the league. De Bruyne was the best midfielder from January till the end of the year. But over the course of the season, from August to May, I think you can make a real case that Rodri was the best midfielder in the league uh, over the whole season. Uh, Jorginho's future is up in the air at Chelsea. He has a contract till next summer. There doesn't seem to be any movement on a extension. So could well be that he is on the move this summer. He says he, he's happy. He doesn't want to move, but we'll wait and see what happens with him. I think Chelsea should move him on and look to upgrade. Chelsea have obviously been linked to Frankie in recent days. So could that be a a path for them to sell uh, Jorginho and bring in Frankie de Jong as a replacement. That might be what they look at. Ravi Matondo has signed for Rangers for 3 million euro from Schalke. Uh, Schalke paid 12 million pounds, I think, to buy him from Man City a few years back. So obviously that didn't work out very well. But he is talented and I look forward to seeing how he does in Scotland with Rangers. Um, talented player, inconsistent. Inconsistent is the only way really to describe him. And according to Romano, Barcelona have finally submitted the official bid for Rafinha. Leeds are set to accept 58 million euro fixed fee up to 68 million euro with add-ons, deal at final stages, all parties waiting on Barca to be able to register Rafinha. So we'll wait and see how long that takes. Uh, Worth pointing out, over the weekend, obviously, Raheem Sterling to Chelsea is now deal agreed, just waiting on the final steps for that. Fees agreed, personal terms agreed, so it's just better figuring out a medical, et cetera, et cetera. So David Ornstein, Broke that news. Um, Chelsea reached total agreement with Man City to sign Raheem Sterling, a deal worth 50 million. Uh, 27-year-old winger to join on five-year contract with an option year on top of that. Chelsea working through logistics of organising medical in London. If all goes to plan, he'll join the USA Tour. Romano reports then that it's 45 million and 10 million in add-ons 
Ornstein corrects himself and says it's not 50 million, it's 40, 47.5 million fixed fee, no add-ons. Romano leaves his tweet up, pins it to his profile. It gets over 200,000 likes. 200,000 likes on a tweet that's inaccurate uh, with, with add-ons that he just made up at a fresh air trying to pretend he knew what was going on. Absolutely laughable. Shameless. Like, Ornstein's tweets. One gets 24,000, one gets 19,000. So 43,000 likes between the two of them for factually correct reporting, breaking news. And Romano gets 200,000 likes on a tweet that's just made up. Amazing stuff. Twitter is such, such a strange place. Um, what else have we got? Paul Pogba says he can't wait to win trophies. Um, I did suggest just playing well would be a bit of a help to everybody. Just play well for a while. And people might, you know, forget the fact that you were largely garbage at Manchester United for six years. Uh, Gareth Bale says he plans to stay with LAFC for multiple years because he wants to play at Euro 2024. Now, obviously, Wales fan or Welsh fans are delighted by this news. If I was an LAFC fan, you're going to be excited about this signing. I'd be a little bit put out, though, by him being so open of the fact that he's only really there to stay fit enough to play for Wales. That's the only thing he really cares about is playing for his national team. He doesn't really care about what club he does that for. He just wants a nice lifestyle, uh, plenty of money, and to be able to play for Wales, which it's no bad thing, but still. Uh, Wayne Rooney has agreed to become the new manager of DC United in MLS. Obviously, Rooney played for DC United for some time after leaving Everton before going to Derby. Uh, 18 months he was there. So we wait and we see how that goes. I'll be curious to see how he does at a club that's not backs to the wall, that he can't create a siege mentality too easily at. But it, it's going to be an interesting test for Rooney. Um, and I, I like seeing him go abroad and, and take the gamble to do that. Uh, Aston Villa have reached agreement to sign Ludwig Augustin from Augustinson, sorry, from Sevilla on loan with an option to buy. They needed a backup left back. This is a good left back. Um, he was at Werder Bremen for some years, and uh, he always was one of the better players in the Bremen team. I think he'll do well at Villa as a backup to Lucadinha. And he's got a couple of people there he knows, you know. Um he knows Diego Carlos. He knows Robin Olsen. Yeah, he is He is a good player. He's been around. I mean, he has literally been here, there, and everywhere over his career. So he's at Gothenburg, Copenhagen, Werder and Sevilla. And he, yeah, he, he will do well. He will do well for Villa if given the opportunity. He's been. He's always one of the players that stands out to me when Sweden play and he's in the team. He's a, an aggressive left-back. He likes to get forward. He's a good cross for the ball. He's quick. Yeah, I do like him. I do like him. So looking forward to seeing how he does in the Premier League. We'll wrap up with the gossip. We've got four days' worth 
to run through. So, uh, Manchester United have made an improved bid of £43 million for Lissandra Martinez. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for Lissandra Martinez. Amid intense speculation over Cristiano Ronaldo's future, Eric Ten Hag has recognised the need to strengthen the club's attacking options. Well, everybody's aware of that. Ten Hag hopes to foil his former club Ajax attempts to sign Brian Brobby from RB Leipzig. The 20-year-old came through the Eredivisie Sides Academy, went to Leipzig, but now... Ajax want to buy him back after a good loan spell, but apparently Ten Hag would like to bring him to United. Talented player, but he is quite raw and he's not ready for the Premier League. Arsenal are interested in signing Lucas Paqueta. I think this must be one of the weirdest links of the year. They've already signed Fabio Silva. They already have Odegaard. Where would he play? Like, where would he play in that Arsenal team? Hakim Ziyech has announced his decision to part ways with his agent. He wants to take care of his own career. It's fair enough. Barcelona boss Xavi wants to re-sign Usman Dembele, which, you know, makes sense. Barca are better off to re-sign him and at least, you know, sell him in 12 months if you can and get some of the money back that you've invested in him. Um, Barca and Rafinha, blah, blah, blah. Arsenal are interested in Ishmael Benacer. He's the perfect midfielder for them. Absolutely perfect. West Ham are weighing up a move for Justin Clivert. Uh, don't. The Hammers have been turned down by Villarreal's Arnaut Denjuma. That's a bit of a shame for them. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily a position of need anyway. Paris Saint-Germain have, le- have met with Sassuolo to discuss a move for Scamica, but no agreement has been reached yet. Um, they're also looking at Ekatiki, who was going to, or meant to go to Newcastle. And my guess is they might sign him because he'll be cheaper, probably easier to get lower wages. Um, so that makes sense for them. Southampton are looking to sign Manchester City and Burkino Faso defender Issa Kabore on loan, but face competition from Forrest. Forrest will be out of that race now. They've got Nico. Saints bringing him on loan makes sense because it allows them to bring Timo Atino Livermento back slowly. There's been some rumblings that Kyle Walker-Peters could be on the move. I, I have a tough time seeing who'd want him this summer. Like who needs him this summer? Seeing some Spurs fans say they've got a 30 million buyback. I think you'd be mad to pay 30 million for Kyle Walker-Peters, who's good, but I mean, he's just good. Um... Roma are considering making a bid for Will Zaha, who's got one year left in his deal. Bournemouth are in talks with Tottenham over Jaffa Tanganga, who's also attracting interest from Napoli and AC Milan. Uh, Joe Aribo, yeah, yeah. Uh, Millwall have agreed to sign Jamie Shackleton on loan from Leeds. It's a good move for him. Gets him regular game time. Phil Foden is set to sign a new six-year deal at United at, at Man City worth 200 grand a week. And people want to claim that City have some great wage structure. 200 grand a week to a 22-year-old. Really? Arsenal could make a surprise approach for Nicolo Kante. They could, but they won't. Um, Manchester United remain convinced that Christian Eriksen will move to Old Trafford. That one seems to have gone really quiet. From him telling him he was 
going there, allegedly. Like, it's been really strange. First, he apparently turned them down. Then he told them he was going there. And now it's just all gone very quiet. Ajax have told Manchester United to improve their bid if they want to sign Lisandro Martinez. Eric Ten Hag also wants to step up his interest in Anthony. Does he know he's allowed to sign players he hasn't managed before or that don't have Ajax connections? United have been approached to sign Paolo Dybala as a potential replacement for Cristiano. As long as he's a replacement for Cristiano, that's not too bad. You don't want them playing together. Uh, but if I was Dybala, I don't think I'd consider that move. I, I don't know that I'd sign him to play in the Premier League at this point. He's a great, great talent, but I don't think you'd, you'd sign him at this point if you're looking to win the Premier League. The Red Devils are being put under pressure by their sponsors to hold on to Ronaldo. That's uh, always a good reason to, to do things is because the money men say so. Barcelona have matched the 60 million offer, including add-ons for Rafinha that Chelsea had put forward. Uh, Frankie de Jong has his heart set on remaining at Barca and will reject United. It seems like he's already done that a few times. Juventus are aware of negotiations between Matthias Lake and Bayern. Chelsea have been informed that Bayern could make Upa Meccano available if the Lake joins. Ooh. Now, he has some quite big flaws in his game. But if you were going to stick to a back three, I think you could really make him work in the middle of that back three. Brighton are in talks with Mark Cucurella over a new contract. And if he's open to that, maybe he's not overly keen on going to City where he's probably not going to be a guaranteed starter. Arsenal are preparing to submit an opening bid for Alex Grimaldo. Okay. Uh, this is great. I mean, this is brilliant. Manchester United are closing in on a deal for Albania goalkeeper Thomas Strakosha. Uh, who's now signing for Brentford. So Jack Cunningham, uh, whoever you are, you are a spoofer, an absolute spoofer. Chelsea's hopes of signing Armando Brogia have been boosted after 20-year-old decided to, oh, after Chelsea decided to leave him out of their squad. I think that means anything, to be fair. Watford are not lining up Emmanuel Dennis, despite being linked to 24-year-old. That's some football insider. So we can probably go ahead and print the shirts. Napoli director Cristiano Guntoli said Dries Mertens rejected a new contract with the club. Borussia Dortmund have no interest in loaning out Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna, I hope he stays fit this year. Gio Reyna is super talented, but he just can't stay fit. Brentford have made an offer for Wolfsburg and Egypt forward Omar Marmouche. However, the German club are reluctant to sell. He's talented. He is talented. And he would give them someone that could play when Tony doesn't play. I can understand why Wolfsburg would be hesitant to sell because he's very young. He's only 23. And they haven't really gotten the opportunity to you know, see what he can do for them yet. Um, he was fairly good on loan last season with Stuttgart. Scored three goals, 23 games. Played wide, mostly wide. Uh, but I think he's going to be best through the middle. Um, I do like him. He could be an interesting one for Brentford to add. Uh, da, 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 Wayne Rooney, yeah, that's fine. 
Uh, Bayern Munich are considering Harry Kane. No, they're not. Uh, Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain will enter this race to sign Lewandowski. I could, I could see him at Chelsea. Um, Barcelona believe they will be able to sign Bernardo Silva. I, I don't think even the person who wrote that believed it. Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel is reluctant to bring Cristiano to the club. I can understand why. He'd be a horrible fit. West Ham have turned their attention to Justin Clivert. This is two days in a row. Um, you can do so much better. You really can. Justin Clivert's talented, but he just doesn't seem to have the desire that you'd want. Uh, Chelsea are preparing to match Napoli's £34 million asking price for Calabou Koulibaly. Juventus are planning to fund the signing of Koulibaly with the fee they expect for Matthias De Ligt. Everton are set to act to offer Jordan Pickford a new long-term contract. Yet, yeah, why not double down on a mistake? Arsenal are in talks to sign Alex Grimaldo, yada, yada. Uh, Lucas Torreira has spoken to Jose Mourinho about a switch from Arsenal to Roma. I, I could see him doing well at Roma under Mourinho. He, he's done very well in Serie A at both Samp and at Fiorentina. Um Manchester United are prepared to go through the transfer window without signing a defensive midfielder as they chase Frankie de Jong and Christian Eriksen, in which case they'll finish sixth again. Uh, Sevilla are among the club's interests in Sergio Regulon. Now that they've sold uh, their left back, it would make sense. And that's where he was before, and he did very well there. Um, he was there on loan from Real, and then Real took him back off the loan and sold him to Tottenham. Manchester City will sign a centre-back if Nathan Aki joins Chelsea. Arsenal and Newcastle are interested in Leon and Brazil attacking midfielder Lucas Paqueta. I could definitely see him at Newcastle. I don't know why Arsenal would want him. He's really good. I, I know why they would want him. I just don't have a spot for him. Uh, Chelsea wants $7 million for Cesar Azpilicueta. I'm sure they'll figure something out. Newcastle have been offered... Emmanuel Dennis and Max Cornet. Do you know, if I was Fulham, I'd probably be looking at one of those two. Arsenal face competition from Manchester United to sign N'Golo Kante, who's not going to join either of those clubs. Norwich have agreed a club record £11.5 million signing for Sao Paulo's Brazilian attacking midfielder, Gabriel Sara. Interesting. He's he's very fun. Norwich City spending some money. Fair play. Uh, last day's worth then. Let's get this done. Barcelona have agreed to meet Leeds fee for, yeah, Rafinha, that's fine. Uh, Chelsea appear to be high. Yep, that's fine. Uh, Chelsea are going to switch their attention to Serge Nabry, which would make sense. Uh, and Nabry... Havertz, Sterling, front three. Could be a lot of fun. In a 4-3-3. With Mount in the midfield three. Leicester midfielder, Yuri Tielemans, and Wolves midfielder, Ruben Neves, are on United's backup list if they fail to sign De Jong. I'm sure those players are delighted to hear the second choice. Uh, Manchester United Chief Executive Richard Arnold is working to persuade Cristiano Ronaldo to withdraw his request to leave the club. Why? Why would you do that? Let him leave. 
United have held talks with Stuttgart over a deal for Sasa Kalazanj. I, yeah, meh. Uh, Brentford are closing in on the 16 million pound signing of Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. That's a that's a really good signing. Um, Thomas Strakosha. France Ford Usman Dembele's contract at Barcelona expired, but he's expected to sign a new deal. Uh, Wolves, Morgan Gibbs White. Everton are also interested in Conor Gallagher, but Chelsea will leave it till later in the window before making a decision on his future. Fulham have been in touch with Tottenham about Joe Roden. That'd be a good signing for, for Fulham. I think he might be better in a three, but he, he'd work in two. Uh, Fulham are in advanced talks to sign Kevin Bapu. From Wolfsburg, I like him as a right back. He's he's solid but unspectac- unspectacular. He won't let you down. Uh, Middlesbrough's interest in Newcastle striker Dwight Gale has cooled, with Steve Gibson being reluctant to sanction a move from. Uh, in the Championship, he's the ideal player. The ideal player. Uh, Nathan Collins will become the most expensive Irish footballer in history when he completes his move to Wolves. Uh, Alex Grimaldo, yada, yada. And Lucas Terreri, yada, yada. That's a whole lot of yada, yadas there. Right, that is that. That is everything we have. We are caught up. Uh, Salah and Mane have made the shortlist for the African Player of the Year. Um, what else is there? Is that everything? Manchester United's negotiators try to break the young impasse. Uh, United's negotiators are as bad as they come absolutely shambolic group of individuals so that is that we will leave it there folks i will see you all tomorrow take care of yourselves and bye-bye Podcast Network.